This morning I will continue on the message, the T factor. The T factor. Often when you go to a clinic, the first thing that a doctor will say to you is, show me your tongue. And he will take a tongue compressor and place it on top of your tongue and say, ah. And he stick out that tongue and you sound that word out, ah. By your tongue appearance, by your tongue symptoms, he will able to diagnose what is the illness that you have on your body. He will know what is the illness that you are having due to the wrong food that you have consumed. Likewise, in the physical point of view, the same goes in the spiritual. By your speech, we will know what you have fed your soul. The tongue factor is very important. If you have read something on the tongue, according to medical science, they will tell you simply there are eight kinds of symptoms on the tongue. For example, if a tongue is dry, dark, and fur, or means a coating on the tongue, that speaks to the doctor that you have an unhealthy condition. If your tongue is moist and clean, your condition is normal. And as you stick out that tongue, as the doctor observes that tongue, it moves very quickly or it moves very slowly in all directions. That speaks to him that you are in a very healthy state of condition. If you take a, stick out your tongue and it moves too quickly, it indicates there is a possibility of a hyperactive thyroid gland. Vice versa. If you stick out too slow in response, then there is a slackening of the thyroid gland. And as the doctor says, show me your tongue. And you stick out that tongue. And you cannot project the tongue too far. That speaks to him that you are in a very weak, exhausted, or in a stupor condition. And as you stick out the tongue, and if the tongue trembles, that indicates that you have a nervous condition. Or if you open your mouth and the tongue Turn to the side. Turn on to one side, either to the left or to the right. Normally the healthy side will turn to the unhealthy side. That speaks to him that you have paralysis. And the it's basic condition. If he put a tongue compressor on you and you say you have a burning sensation on the tongue, that speaks to him that you have pelagral or disease, uh, deficiency disease or vitamin deficiency. And for any poor tongue, 
appearance or deficiency, the doctor will recommend you vitamin B12. So from the tongue, it reveals the condition of your body. And this morning I declare to you that the tongue is your identity card. By your tongue, by your speech, I will know about the state of your condition of your soul. In fact, a Greek philosopher once said this, Say something so that I can see you. You know, in the Talmud, the ancient Jewish scriptures, there is an incident that goes like this. When the great rabbi, Gamel Liel, said one of the wisest, told his servant, Bring me something good. The servant brought a tongue. And then the rabbi said again, Go to the market and bring me something bad. And the servant returned again with a tongue. And the servant said unto the master, A tongue, my master, may be the source of either good or bad. If it is good, there is nothing better. If it is bad, there is nothing worse. How true is this saying about the tongue? If it is good, there is nothing on this earth better. If it is bad, there is nothing worse than it. This morning our text for the tongue factor is found in the book of James. So turn with me to the book of James. Chapter 3. The book of James, chapter 3, is one of my favorite chapter in the whole New Testament. And we're going to read the entire chapter 3. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive a greater condemnation. Why Paul, why Apostle James says that you receive a greater condemnation. Remember last week we quote Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 onwards. He says, By thy words thou shalt be justified, by thy words thou shalt be condemned. With that understanding, you will understand why he says, We shall receive the greater condemnation if we are not careful in our speech. Because he goes on to say in verse 2, For in many things, we offend all. How true there is. May each forgive one another in a very willing manner. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to brither the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they may be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, 
yet are they turned about with a very small hand, whithersoever the governor lifts. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little tongue, fire kindles! And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of bird, and of serpent, and of things in the sea is tame, and has been tame of mankind. But The tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursing. My brethren. These things ought not so to be. Do a fountain send forth at the same place sweet waters and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olives berries? Neither a vine fix. So can no fountain both yield salt waters and fresh. Who is a wise man? And endure with knowledge among you. Let him show out a good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is. There is confusion and every evil work. Just based on that verse, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Based on this context, we know that it's the words that flows out from our mouth that brings the envying, that brings out the manifestation of strife, and that causes a confusion and every work to abound in the church of the living God. So words must be spoken with care. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. This whole chapter. Is a very significant chapter that reveals something about the tongue factor, and I'm going to comment before I go deeper into it. Sixteen points based on chapter three, and we'll go from verse to verse to highlight the sixteen points that Apostle James wants to bring across to the brothers and the sisters in the Church of the Living God. And the first point. Is in verse two, and I will comment based on that. Firstly, for in many things we offended all, 
But look at the second statement. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and also able to bridle the whole body. Why Apostle James wrote that statement? Apostle James is a half-brother of Jesus. And he spent his whole life with Jesus for over 30 years. He had watched a man raise up from a little baby to a young boy to an adult and to become the greatest man of God that ever lived on the planet Earth. And he observed him as a half-brother in the family, observed him in the public place, observed him in the marketplace, observed him on the mountain. He says, this man Jesus is perfect because of his words. And Apostle James, as he wrote this verse, he remembered there was one perfect man that ever lived, that he was acquainted with, and that was his half-brother Jesus. He says, my half-brother Jesus is perfect because he never speaks a wrong word. And based on the verse, I commend the true hallmark of maturity and spirituality lies in the key factor. In fact, if you turn with me to the next book after the book of James, Peter, Apostle Peter, who spent more than three years with our Lord Jesus Christ, he made this command about Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning from verse 21 to 23. For even hereunto were we called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow His footsteps. Peter is saying that we should follow His example, that we should walk in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the example? What is the footstep that we should imitate or emulate? It goes on to say in colon, in verse 22, and verse 23 is the answer. He says, Who did no sin, neither was guile or deceit found in his mouth. Jesus did not say the wrong things. Jesus did not offend people with words. There is no sin found on his tongue. Verse 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. That means, when he was scolded, he didn't respond back. A scold for a scold, an eye for an eye. He didn't do that. When people scold him, when he was threatened, he didn't respond back with the same measure. He just say, Lord, you vindicate me. I just want to pray for them, Lord, but you are the fair judge. And he placed himself in the hands of God. That's what we should do on this earth. When we are in the streets, we are in a, in a public place, when we are in our homes, friends, members of your own family speak a word against you, speak a harsh word that is unfairly in, in, in thought evaluation against you, don't speak back. Just pray for them. 
be like Jesus, walk in his footsteps, follow his example. Jesus, there was no sin found on his lips. He said, why must we follow Jesus? Why must we have no sin, no gall on our lips? Because Apostle Peter goes on to say, because of this reason, therefore you follow his footsteps. Because of this reason, that's why you follow his example. And the reason, and the reason is found in chapter 3 of 1 Peter. Chapter 3 of 1 Peter, verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days. There are thousands upon thousands of believers love life and see good days, but found not life and found not many good days. What's the reason? Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they may speak no gall. If you have a loose tongue this morning, you will not see life, you will not see many good days. So refrain your tongue from speaking evil and his lips that they may speak no gall. Title says this, speak no evil of any man. And that's a good advice. Why? Why must we speak no evil of any person? Because God says He wants to give us abundant life and see many good days ahead of us. And He goes on to say in verse 9, Not railing evil for evil, rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but in contrary wise, blessings, knowing that we are there unto call, that you should inherit a blessing. Apostle Paul, Peter says this, if you follow Jesus' footsteps, if you walk in His example, you are ready to inherit a blessing from God. Those who sow blessings will receive blessings. And God wants you to inherit a blessing. And He goes on to say in verse 15 of 1 Peter chapter 3, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The reason why we want to speak no gal, the reason why we do not want to say the wrong word is because we want to sanctify the Lord Jesus in our heart. We want to give a good testimony to every man. That is the reason. Amen? Let's go back to James chapter 3 again. So the first point is the true hallmark of spirituality and maturity lies within the T factor. Secondly, look at verse 3. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Secondly, in the spiritual sense, the taming and the subduing of the wild horse or the wild flesh is through the whip or the beat of the tongue. The tongue is the bridal material, the bridal, the wild flesh. It goes on to say, the next point, in verse 4, Behold also the ships. So in other words, the tongue is like a bit on the land, or like a rudder in the sea. You know what is a rudder? A rudder is a hem, a circular thing 
that you control the ship. If you turn to the left, that's like a steering wheel. You turn to the left, it will go to the left. It turns to the right, it will go to the right. Just like the bits, the brighter the horse, it's like a, a long two stripes of, of leather material, and it stripes the horse mouth with bits of iron. And we turn, pull the horse to the left, it will go to the left. You pull the horse to the right, it will turn to the right. So the tongue is like the bits in the land or like the rudder in the sea. Let's go on to the next com. So you want to see whether a person is in, in pride? Check his speech. Let's go on to the next point. And behold, how great a matter a little fire kinder. The source or outlet of all the trouble that you're experiencing on this earth lies within the T factor. The tongue is to the circumstances as to the kindling to the fire. What is a kindling? A kindling is a little splinter wood that is used to start a fire. When you place some firewood around the cozy area and you need a little splinter to start a fire. So tongue is like the little splinter. Though it looks little, but it can cause great havoc and great destruction. So the source or the outlet of all the troubles that you're experiencing now lies within your tongue. You say, no, I don't believe that. The Bible says the church is founded on the doctrines of the apostles and the prophets. Better believe it. It is true. Then he goes on to say in verse 6, The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and it sets on fire the cause of nature and it sets on fire of hell. The next command that I will say is this. The volcano of iniquity in your life. Iniquity is those stubborn sins that you have and so on that you always rebel against God. The volcano of all iniquity lies in the T-factor. Those harsh, unkind words are the occasional volcanic eruptions. No wonder, have you heard the story in Isaiah 6? He says, Woe unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among men of men of unclean lips. First point. If you dwell among people of unclean lips, you shall be a man or woman of unclean lips. Check your fellowship this morning. The kind of people that you're fellowshipping, you will be like them. Those who are the companion of the wise will be wise. Those that are companions of the fool shall be destroyed. So what are the kind of people that you're fellowshipping this morning? So he says, Isaiah told the Lord, when he saw a vision of the Lord in Isaiah 6, he says, Oh, woe unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips, that I dwell among people of unclean lips. Do you know what the seraphim did? The angelic being came and picked out a live coal from the altar of heaven and came down. The live coal is to purge the sins in his life. He didn't come, the, the seraphim didn't put the live coal on the head. He didn't put the live coal on any part of the body, but he put it on the tongue. Why? Why the live coal is put on the tongue? Because sin is conceived in the heart and the mind, but it's manifested through the major channel of your tongue. So when your tongue is perched, your sin problem is perched. You see that now? 
So the tongue is the source of all trouble. Then he goes on to say, he says, that so is the tongue among our members, in verse 6, that it defiles the whole body. Let me put it this way. Defilement or poison, that is found in verse 8, defilement or poison is self-prescribed. You poison your own life through your own tongue. You speak the wrong things, you are the first one to receive it. You speak an unkind word to others, you are the first one to receive unkindness. So the defilement and the poison is self-prescribed. In fact, in the Wu's translation, he said about the tongue in verse 8, he says, it's full of lethal or deadly poison. You do not know how poison the tongue is. Look at your life and you will find as time goes on, you will know that it's true. The next command, he says, the, to- the tongue was set on fire. He speaks of fire here. The tongue can bring a destructive fire into your life, into your circumstances, into your health, into your career, into your family, into your relationship, into everything around you. It's a destructive fire. He said, this is true. Destructive fire is a symbol of death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9 He says The word of God that is within me Is like fire in my bones The word of God in your mouth Can be a fire of God Or your own words can be a destructive fire Choose your words carefully Next command Verse 8 But the tongue can no man tame It is unruly evil Full of deadly poison Here I will describe to you it is a description of the fallen nature of your tongue. Let's look at the characteristics of this tongue. Firstly, in the King James Version, he says, It is unruly evil. What is unruly? Unruly in the Greek, it means unrestrainable, uncontrollable. That means the tongue that you have, you possess right now on your lips, is a loose tongue. Always want to talk what it wants to talk. Never want to talk what the Bible says. Always talk what you see, what you feel, what you felt. Secondly, he says it's unruly evil. The word evil there means, in the Greek it means harmful, wicked, diseased, sick. Your tongue is sick. Your tongue is diseased. Your tongue needs healing this morning. And it goes on to say, it is full of deadly poison. The word deadly there means death-bearing, a carrier or agent of death. You know why you have no blessings in your life? Why there's death, no blessings in your, in your situation, in your blessings, in your career? There's death seems to go going on. You know why? It's because of your tongue. And he says poison. The word poison in the Greek is it typifies two things. The rust of metals or the venom that comes from the serpent's tongue. It's, in other words, it's a deadly venom. So the tongue is a very deadly thing. The greatest foe that you ever face on this earth, the greatest enemy to the obstacle towards the path, path of blessing and progress in this life is your own tongue. 
Do you know, last Tuesday, in fact, just a couple of days ago, a Thai worker died while eating a fish called Tetra Odon Tiform. What is that? They add, uh, they call it a balloon fish or blowfish or a toadfish or we call it the puffer fish. Or the Japanese call it the fangu. <laughs> so that fish, they, that Thai worker ate and it released a poison into that body and caused the blockage in the nervous system and it, it dies within hours. But this tongue that you have on your body is a slow time release poison. You die slowly without knowing it. And you always say, it's the devil that do it. It's the devil that do it. No, it's yourself. Self-prescribed poison. How? How, how do I poison myself? I'll give you a clue right now. Turn to Matthew chapter 6 for a clue. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 31. The last verse. Oh, sorry, the last few verses. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? The key is this. Therefore, take no thought, saying. When you take thought, you will say something. So you take thought of negative things, you will say negative things. You take thought of good things, you will say good things. So be careful of your thought life. Your thought life is the in, instigator for you to poison yourself. So don't think the wrong thing. When you think the wrong thing, you believe the wrong thing. When you believe the wrong thing, you speak the wrong thing. When you speak the wrong thing, you will act upon the wrong thing. When you act upon the wrong thing, you make the wrong decision. And your whole life is in a mess. Alright? Let's turn back to James chapter 3 again. The next command. He says, verse 9, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Do a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? You know what is that called? That is called a violation of the Old Testament principle. There is one principle in the Old Testament that if you sometimes bless people with your mouth, sometimes you curse people with your mouth, you, have, you are in a violation of God's principle. Because there is one principle that is found in the book of Leviticus, Lesson to Leviticus, the beginning few, first few books, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9. Leviticus chapter 19, sorry, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 19. You shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let the cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen shall come upon thee. That is called the principle of not having a mingled seed. 
Every kind of seed produces after its own kind. That is the law of Genesis. If you have papaya seed, it must produce papaya. But we have also another thing that the Lord forbid. The Lord forbid mingling of seeds. Example, mingling of seeds is called hybrid seed. H-Y-B-R-I-B. Hybrid seed means like example like this. If you mingle a donkey and a horse together in sexual union, you produce a mule. As stubborn as a mule. A mule is a mingled seed. And a mule cannot produce after its own kind. That means it stays as a mule and it dies in a shh. Because it violates the law of productivity. So therefore, what God is saying is that if you mingle some seeds, you mingle some good seeds and some bad seeds, you know, end up, you end up having a lower form. A lower form is called a mule, or to you a lower form is called curse. Some words coming from your mouth is blessings, coming from your mouth is curses. You will mingle them together and finally you have an end product, you have a mingled seed and you have the lower form. You always take the lower form. The negative always triumph over the posit- positive. If you don't, you're not careful. And it will go in a lower form, it comes in the form of curse. And there is an absence of blessings in your life. So, Apostle James says, don't mingle seed. Amen? Let's go back to the book of James again for the further com- command. Chapter 3 again. And he says this, Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, berries? Neither of vine figs. So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh water. It means this. A fig tree will produce figs. An olive tree will produce olive berries. It means this. Negative produce negative. Positive attract positive. It is called the law of attraction. If you are positive, you attract positive blessings into your life. If you are a negative person, you will receive negative things in your life. That is the meaning of that. And it goes on to say about, in verse 13, meekness of wisdom. I will say this. Humility, meekness, and true wisdom are fresh waters. Envy or jealousy, strife and pride are bitter waters. Today, you have a choice to drink from which fountain. And it goes on to say, based on the same thought, from the same context, verse 16, 17. From verse 15, 16 and 17, it goes like this. Blessings are wisdom that come from above. Curses are wisdom that come from beneath. If you taste fresh water, you receive the blessings. If you taste bitter water, you receive the curse. I am, uh, I'm not experiencing curse. Yes, you are. Through your tongue. So be careful of how you speak. Amen? Why am I so particular about words? Because Jesus is particular. Because Jesus has no sin on His lips. If Jesus is particular, I want to follow Jesus' example. And I would set a pattern for this church to follow His example. Amen? Why? Because Jesus mentioned a secret that was hidden from the foundation of the earth and He was revealed during the last era of the Old Testament age. And it's found in the book of Mark. We have covered that before, the parable of the sower. Let's go back to Mark chapter 4. 
Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, in verse 11, And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery, the secret of the kingdom of God. Alright? Alright? It's called the kingdom of God. Verse 13, He said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? In other words, if you know this parable, you will know all the secrets of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. What if the kingdom of heaven, according to the parable in Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8, is this, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man that sows seeds unto the ground. In other words, God is giving you a secret. How the kingdom of God operates on this earth. Where's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is within you. It's inside you. How the kingdom of God manifests itself? It manifests through a tongue factor. A man soweth seeds. It's like a man in the kingdom of God. So how does the kingdom of God operate? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's through your words. A man that sows seeds. This morning I declare to you, if you are the kingdom of God on this earth, you sow words. Powerful words, words of divine power, words of divine life that bring change upon this earth to the glory of God. That's how, why words are so important. Because he says, when you sow words, you are demonstrating the kingdom of God on this earth. Words either reveal that you are in the kingdom of light or you are in the kingdom of darkness. If you speak harsh words, foul language, you are children of darkness. This thing's not ought not to be so, says James. Amen? So words are very important. You know why? Because words, based on Luke chapter 8 verse 11, the word of God is a seed. The seed is the word of God. Therefore, seed comply with the law of sowing and reaping. Therefore, I say to you, words activate the law of sowing and reaping. What you say is what you get. What you say, you will have a harvest in the future. A harvest of your words that have been spoken. Multiplied manifold back unto you. Good measure pressed down together, shaking over, running over and come back to you. Whether you like it or not. The man shall eat, with satisfied, be satisfied by the fruits of his mouth. So words are very powerful. It all operates according to the divine law of sowing and reaping. So, I will say this to you. To change the harvest, to change your future, you must change your seed. To change your future, you must change those words that come out from your mouth this morning, tomorrow, and the day after, and so on. Amen? How to protect your seeds? Based on Mark 4. About four kinds of seeds and four kinds of soil. One of the things is that a good soil, they have good seeds and it has a hundredfold return. But you notice that Jesus mentioned about the teaching of this soil and the seed. He mentioned about the weeds and the thorns. What are the weeds and the thorns? I'm telling you. The weeds are the, and the thorns are the bad seeds sown. If you sow a wrong seed, for example, you say, I don't know whether I will pass my turn. Jalak, jalak. I only have left one more week to study. You sow thorns. The Bible says thorns are like cares of this world. You sow thorns into your heart. So careful, don't mingle your seeds. Because you can say one day, Oh my God, shall supply all my needs. And next day say, Oh, where will the money come? 
You mingle those seeds and you have a mutant. <laughs> and you will take the lower form, the curses. So don't do that, alright? Negative things for the rest of the week, it will choke the Word of God and it will be unfruitful. If you want to say the Word of God, say it all the way for the rest of this life. Don't change your confession. Amen? Don't say what you see, but say what you believe. You know, the Bible is God's confession, continual confession of His greatness, of His power, of His love, of His great Father heart. When Jesus Christ was on the, on the earth, He made more than two confessions. I am the light of this world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. He made confession. I am the bread of life that comes from heaven. He made continual confession. Because why? Words create realities. Let's go back to the book of James. The book of James, chapter 3, verse 2. If a man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and also able to bridle the whole body. Let me comment on this. Words are linked to character development. I repeat, are linked to character development, according to the book of James. Who is spiritually matured and developed the fruits of the Spirit based on two facts, according to the book of James. Firstly, the book of James is a book of the New Testament pro- Proverbs. Therefore, the book of James is a book on wisdom. Wisdom. Therefore, a man who is spiritually mature, who has developed the fruits of Spirit, is one that walking in the wisdom of God. Secondly, based on chapter 3 verse 2, if a man were to be watched what? He say, a watch over his mouth, that man, that woman, is spiritually mature and has developed the fruits of the Spirit. No point saying about, oh, I'm going to develop the fruits of the Spirit, when you have foul language speaking forth out of your lips. No point. Amen? In the Amplified, he says this, For we all often, often stumble and fall and offend in many things. But if anyone who does not offend in speech never say the wrong things, he is a fully developed character and a perfect man able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. In the Philip translation, able to control every part of his personality. Oh, pastor, I have a character defect in my life. Check your tongue. Oh, Pastor, how to develop a good character to give glory to the name of Jesus. Watch your tongue. Speak less and think more. That is the answer. I'm giving you one statement. Listen very carefully. Talk the way you would like to be and you will be the way you are. I repeat. Talk the way you would like to be and you will be the way you talk. Words create realities. All right? Now, it goes on to say, interestingly, in verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body, that we may turn their whole body, that we may turn their whole body. And it goes on to say in verse 6 or so, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature, and sets on fire of hell. Verse 4 talks about ships and about the waves of the sea, the strong, fierce winds, but the ham will control the direction of the ship. 
So with that, I will say this. Let me, let me uh, quote a scripture first from the Living Bible. Chapter 3, verse 6. In the tongue is a flame of fire. It is full of wickedness and poisons every part of the body. You know why you are so, quote-unquote, taomei? It's your tongue. And the tongue is set on fire by hell itself and can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. What a description about the, the things that the tongue brings to us. The kind of, ooh, blessings. The tongue brings great destruction. Alright? He says this, based on that few verse, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, and verse 6, it's like this. No matter, he gives a description about a horse and a ship. And with this horse and with this ship, Apostle James made a parallel comparison between the horse and the tongue and the ship and the tongue. He says this, no matter how big or strong or stubborn a horse may be, he can be controlled by a very small piece of iron in his mouth. No matter what size of ship or how fierce the winds are against it, it can be directed by a hem, a very small rudder. So that the peril is drawn there. He says this rudder is so insignificant, so small. The bits are also a very small piece of uh, stripes of leather with a piece of iron on the horse's mouth. So insignificant, yet it performs a great role. Your tongue. Seems insignificant. How many of you ever check your tongue over the mirror? Insignificant. You check your face, check your hairstyle, check your eyes and your lips and so on, but you never check your tongue. You know why? It's so insignificant. But yet, it causes either great blessings or great havoc. You know why? Apostle James says this, You are the rider holding the bridle of your life. You control the horse. You are the governor or the captain of the ship. You turn the rudder. In both situations, you are in control as long as you are in control of your tongue. Your tongue is like the bits riding the horse in the land or your tongue is like the rudder in the sea controlling the ship. A ship may be so huge but with that rudder, you can control the sh- entire ship. The horse may be so stubborn, but with the bridle, you can control that horse. You know what that goes? Your tongue is the deciding factor in your life. The governing factor concerning your future tomorrows is your tongue. You know, many a times, we are confronted with a situation and you know what happened? Let me give you an example. Like for example, you are a captain of a ship and your ship is approaching Kappa Harbor. As the ship moves slowly towards the dock, suddenly you sense something is not right. It's moving in collision against the platform of the dock. And you say, look, we are hitting against the dock. Watch out, we are hitting against the dock. And somebody replied, Hey, dummy, just turn the rattle. When you turn the rattle, it avoids the collision. 
You know what happened? Many a times we face our problems. You know what happened? We talk about the problem. Oh, we are hitting the dog. We are hitting the dog. We say what you see. And what happened? We forgot to turn the rudder. We forgot to turn our confession. We hit straight against the dog. Now you know why? Your confession will control your ship in every kind of storms that's coming against you. You are in control. You are in control. But the problem is this. You see, I spoke to you last week and the week before, words are so important that it affects your spirit man. It affects your spirit man. are so important. It affects your future tomorrows. You know why? Because Apostle James says this. And look at what he says in verse 6. It devours the whole body and sets on fire the cause of nature. You know why? It's the, the word cause of nature in the amplified it amplifies the meaning. It means this. The will of birth, the cycles of man's nature. In other words, your whole life from birth to death is affected by your tongue. The rudder is the one that mends the direction of your life. I will put this this way. Right confession equals direction, destination and destiny. Where you want to go tomorrow depends on what you say out of your mouth. Because your tongue is the rudder. You turn to the left, it goes left. So when you say left, your tongue say left long enough, you will go to the left. A lot of people say, Pastor, I want to have a great ministry. Change your confession and you will approach towards it. You talk negative against your ministry, you will never make it. Because you turn the rudder in the wrong direction. You miss your final destination. So if that is so important that the tongue is the deciding factor, then in reverse it also happens. In reverse, it's like this. Wrong confession based on 3D. Direction, destiny, and destination. Wrong confession will mean this. Deception, disappointment or despair, or and destruction. You're also 3D. Not 4D. There's one man in the Bible happened to fumble over this principle of confession and bring great havoc and destruction in his life. And that man is righteous Job. Righteous Job made 74 false accusations against God. He spoke the wrong things out of his mouth and it brings disaster in his, into his life. Within a short period of one year, all kinds of storms was raging against his ship. It was diseased from top to the bottom of his soul. His house was burned. His property destroyed. His wife cursed him, his sons died and so on. All, all kinds of disaster because of his mouth. Example of this, why don't we turn to the book of Job for example. Job is before Psalms. There are 74 so we don't have time. We just go to uh, three of them. Job chapter 13. In the book of Job chapter 13 verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Is God the author of destruction? Is God a murderer? No. 
So he accused God to be the author of destruction. That's a wrong confession. Look at chapter 16, verse 12. I was at ease, but he has broken me asunder. He has take, also taken me by the neck and shake me to pieces and set me up for his mark. As if the Lord, quote-unquote, is a butcher, slaughtering and slaying him upside down, inside out. No, that's a wrong confession. Chapter 16, verse 14. He breaks me with bridge upon bridge. He runneth me over like a giant. Do God step on you? No. That is oppression. Oppression does not, oppression does not come from God. Chapter 19, verse 8. He has stripped me of my glory. Wow. God is not a stripper. It's not dirty enough to be a stripper. He is a blesser. And what happened? And take the crown from my head. Well, that's not true. Verse 8. He has spent up my way that I cannot pass, and He has set darkness in my path. God is not the author of darkness. He is the light of the whole world. Amen? Because of wrong confession, it brings destruction and disaster into His own life. Words can either set you on the path of liberty and freedom, or words can imprison you and put you in bondage. Are you sure, Pastor, why words are so particular, so powerful? Yes. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. Thou art snared, trapped, imprisoned with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Aha. Uh-huh. You are in bondage because of the way you are talking all this while. The way you talk is you are building your own prison wall. So change your confession. Amen? That's very important. So the tongue is like a fire. Pastor, I have set some fire against my own life. I'm setting myself ablaze by my own tongue. A fire is coming against my circumstances, against my career. So how can I turn it around? How can I withstand this fire that I created through my mouth? The Word of God. Ephesians 5.26 By the washing of the water of the Word, you quench, distinguish that fire. So you begin to say the right words. You change your confession. You speak the Bible. You confess the Word of God. You confess the promise of God. The Word of God with the water will remove and wipe out those fire. You see that? So you don't have to worry. God always has a solution for your life. Secondly, words are not only linked to character development. Words are linked to your health. Words are linked to your health. Wealth and health is in the power of your tongue. You believe it, you will prosper. You don't believe it, you watch and see. James chapter 3 verse 6, he says this, It devours the whole body, it sets on fire the cause of nature. You know what the word cause there means in the Greek? The word cause there, C-O-U-R-S-E, cause, it means this, a circuit of physical effects. It brings defilement to your whole body, it also brings physical effect on your body. Health either brings good physical effects, or health brings evil effects. So words contribute to bodily health. So watch what you say and you bring health. Pastor, what is the scripture for it? Proverbs 15.4 
A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. What is a tree of life? Revelation chapter 22. The leaves are for the healing of the nations. He says in Proverbs 15 verse 4, A gentle tongue, in the Amplified Version, A gentle tongue with its healing power is a tree of life. That tree of life that you're partaking on this earth, God has already given to you, and that's your tongue. So eat wisely. Eat wisely. And you will prosper. Amen? Let me put one step further. Do you know, in the beginning of time, Satan wants to tap on this tree of life. Because he wants to have received a beautiful kind of a, a immortality. That he, wa- he, wa- he do not want to be destroyed. Then, in order to tap on this tongue, he uses men. And men spoil the whole plan of God. He spoil his own tongue. And man was disqualified from eating the tree of life with his own tongue. Every time you say a wrong word, every time you say a negative word, you miss the chance of partaking of the fruits of the tree of life. The tree of life is supposed to heal your body. And you're supposed to live long on this earth. You see that? Your tongue is very important. And what happened? Many preachers, like few days ago, Dr. John Avanzani mentioned this. He says, of all the trees in the garden, man can freely eat. But it's one tree man cannot eat. And that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, based on this concept, man must not eat based on this concept that is a tie unto the Lord. Everything you can, you can eat, but that particular thing you don't eat because it's a tie unto the Lord. Amen? Your whole body... You can do whatever you want with it. But God says your tongue is a tree of life. It's created by God. It should be partaken only for men, but use it as a tie unto Him. You tie your tongue to Him, you know what happens? God will make sure that your 90% of your life will be fully blessed. It's very important. Alright? Now, with that, I will, sh- I will firstly say that your direction that you're heading, whether for disaster or blessing, is based on the tongue. That's the first revelation. Because the tongue is the decisive factor in your life. Second revelation. The Bible says, the tongue can no man tame. So pastor, how can I master control over my rudder? The answer is this. Your tongue is only an instrument. The key factor lies within the heart. Scripture out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth only speaks what is abundance in your heart. So the key to tame your tongue is to what? Cleanse your heart. A cleansed heart will have a clean tongue. An unclean heart will have an unclean lips. So the key is what? Renew your mind. Walk holy before God. And you'll tame your tongue automatically. You see that now? Use the words of God. Fill your life with the words of God. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak only the words of God. Use words to change your tongue and tame your tongue. Don't say, oh, from now on, I better tie my tongue, tongue up. You know, with a piece of a plastic or, or a piece of string, you know, and say, don't speak anymore. No, you don't do that. Or shorten your tongue. Go to a surgery and cut it short. No, don't do that. Alright? The key is to take control of your condition of your heart. That's the second thing. The third one, the third revelation is found in the book of Luke. And for this, you pay close attention. The book of Luke, chapter 17. 
Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. You know the apostles said unto the Lord, Luke chapter 17 verse 5 onwards, The apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you have faith, you shall say unto this sycamine tree, this sick tree, <laughs> be thou plucked up by the roots, and be thou planted in the sea, and it shall obey you. The tree will obey you. Whatever you say, it will obey you. Words brings obedience. The words will obey you. You say, be removed, the words will obey you. They will be removed. It's very important. But you notice something. A lot of people stop at verse 6. It should continue reading. Now based on that, he's talking about words, right? If you have faith as a master seed, we talked about that last week. If you have faith, you shall say. Talking about words, Amen. Words that spoke out of your mouth. Based on this concept of understanding, goes on to read in verse 7. But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will you say unto him, by and by, when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meet? And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink? Do he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I doubt so. So likewise ye, when you shall have done all these things which are commanded you, saying, We are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. Now if you understand that concept, you know what revelation we have now? Words are your servant. Because Jesus was continuing to speaking on that revelation. So never, never interpret it in the literal sense. Because Jesus was carrying on the same kind of thought. Based on the words, consciousness. You speak to the mountain. So he goes on to say in verse 7 almost, he described the servant. What did the servant do? The servant worked long, spent many hours, long hours in the field. And come back, what happened? He continued to do more work for the master. In fact, the master gave him more work to do. The master kept the servant working until the wee hours of the night or wee hours of the morning. You know what that means? Keep your words working. Keep sowing. Keep speaking. Don't let the servant rest. Don't let your words rest. When you speak, by the soul of Jesus, I'm healed. Keep speaking that word. Don't let a servant rest. Don't say, oh, I'm speaking that one long hours in, in the field for so many hours, now it's time to rest. No, the master even asked him to do some more work. So keep speaking, keep speaking, keep speaking. That's what principle. Thou shalt meditate on the word of God day and night. Day and night you shall meditate upon it. That's the third revelation. Keep sowing. Don't let the servant, words are your servant, don't let it rest. Alright? Fourthly, but I'm speaking, but it's not working. Why? If you have been abiding by this rule, then maybe you have not taken the fourth revelation. What is the fourth revelation? Turn back to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. In verse 8 it says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of, the, out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou shalt observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Well, you may observe the first part. There is meditate upon the word day and night. But you've forgotten about the second part. What is the second part? That thou mayest observe to do. Thou mayest observe to do. Whatsoever he do, 
in Psalms 1 verse 3. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. You forgot about the doing part. You have been doing the same part, but you have not been acted out in faith doing the works of God. If you are a hearer, but not a doer, that man is not blessed in his deeds. Jesus says, if you are a hearer, but not a doer, you have built your house upon sand, sinking sand. In other words, you may say something like this. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Then respond and act as if you are healed. Observe to do, daring, do what? Do whatever the Lord has already promised in His Word. A lot of people keep saying, keep saying and not doing something about it. And therefore you miss the second part of it. Saying and doing must flow together as corresponding actions. Alright? Then we come to the fifth revelation. Why words are so powerful? Because words activate, stir up the present day ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture, let's turn to Hebrew chapter 3. The book of Hebrew, before the book of James is the book of Hebrew chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. Hebrew chapter 3, verse 1. He brew some tonic for you. <laughs> chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the holy calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. The exact word should be, Consider the Apostle and High Priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Your confession is linked to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Your confession is linked particularly, specifically to the High Priest ministry of Jesus Christ. You know what the High Priest ministry do? In the Old Testament, the high priest will go in once a year into the Holy of Holies to meet the Holy God and to present the needs of the people towards the Holy God and say, God forgive the people based on the blood that sprinkled upon the mercy seat. And God will pardon the people based on the intercession of the high priest. So, when you say some words, you know what happened? Jesus Christ will take that word and bring that word before the Father. And say, because Father, He confessed me before men, I will confess Him before you, my Father. If you deny me before men, I will deny Him before the Father. When you deny Christ, Christ deny you before the Father means you are not granted audience. It means your prayer requests are not answered. So all your words are said uh, is in the hands of the high priest. And Jesus Christ said, Why? Give me all this dung. I told him to give me gold and silver refined seven times the word of God He's giving me dung change those confessions so that you make easy for the ministry of Jesus Christ high priest ministry amen very important finally the last revelation turn to Proverbs chapter 16 why I'm sharing so much because I want to give you all the best for this whole series amen Proverbs chapter 16 Verse 8. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, sorry. A man's heart divides his way. You know the word heart there? 
In the New Testament, we interpret it this way. A man's human spirit devised his way. Everything we do in this life are led by our human spirit, unconsciously. It's either led by our own flesh, our own selfish will, or it's led by the spirit. So how can we come to a stage whereby we are led by our spirit? Because our human spirit, a man's heart, devised his way. That means he'll make his way prosperous based on the human heart. I've told you before, your words affect your heart. If you say, for example, you say negative things, it affects your heart. Alright, what happened? You have a negative heart condition. And what happened? A man's negative heart condition will devise his way. What kind of way is that? A negative way. If you have been speaking prosperity in your heart, you have a prosperous heart condition. A man's prosperous heart will devise a prosperous way. So I will say this. Words is to affect your heart and your heart is the compass of your future tomorrow. Words are very important. I wish three years, five years down the road, you are not where you are right now. Whether you are in studies or whether you are in career, you should be making much more progress. But how to do about that? How to cause the human spirit to devise a prosperous way for you? And that can only be done if you speak the right things. If you plant the right seed. What you sow is what you get. So this morning, I wish and I believe you will change your confession. Because your words determine what answer your spirit is seeking for. Your words determine what your, is your spirit heading towards. It's based on you. Based on your heart. Through your words. Amen. So how are we going to apply all this this morning? Simply, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, we just read, Let him refrain his tongue from evil and speak no guile out of his lips. Refrain. The word refrain in the Greek, it means this. Pao-o. Pao-o, P-A-U-O, means to stop, to quit. That means stop saying, quit saying those negative things. And Pao-o, in the Greek means, it's a picture of a ship sailing slowly. A ship sailing slowly. In the Hebrew sense, the word refrain your lips in the book of Proverbs, it means this, to darken as withholding light. That means this place is darkened because light was withhold. You hold back. You jam the brake. You go slowly. That's the meaning of it. And the key is found in James chapter 1. Turn to James chapter 1 on how to tame the tongue. James chapter 1 verse 19. Memorize it. Believe it. Let it be part of your life. James chapter 1 verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear Slow, power, sail slowly, to speak, slow to wrath. You saw that now? Be a man slow in speech and swift to hear. Be a listener rather than a talkative speaker. You see that now? 
The Bible says in Psalms, He says Psalms chapter 70, I read to you what David say. A very interesting verse. Psalms 70 verse 4, he says this, Chapter 70, verse 4. Let all that those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually. Let God be magnified. You know what David did? David says, all that love the salvation, all that love the blessings that God has been blessing them, those that love God, let them say continually that God be magnified. Every day we should be continually saying the right thing. Confession is affirming what God has said. It's confession is witnessing to the word declaration. Confessing, confession is testifying to the truth declared in the word. So what do we confess? Simply this. Confession should be something like this. God is who He say He is. Therefore I am who God says I am. I am the head and not the tail. I am the redeemed and not the curse. I am the righteous and not the condemned. I am the children of God, not the children of darkness. Secondly, God can do what He says He can do. Therefore, I can do what God says I can do. I can heal the sick. I can cast out the devils. I can do whatever I do and it will prosper. Thirdly, God has what He says He has. Therefore, I have what God says I have. I have prosperity. I have success. I have wisdom. Based on three, these three lines of thoughts, change your confession. Speak the right things into your life. And I guarantee you, within a short period of a few months or a few years, you see a great difference because your rudder is moving in the right direction. So change your rudder direction right now. Change your rudder direction so that no fire is destroying the prosperity, the blessing that God is imparting to you. Change the rudder. Don't say the wrong things. Don't say what you say, what you see, what you feel, what you've heard. Only say what the Word of God says. Always be word conscious. Always be positive and say the right things out of your mouth. If you can't say it out, don't say. Reframe it. Zip up your, your lips and don't say it so that the blessing remains. Amen? Praise God. The Bible says, if he abide in me and my words abide in him, whatever he asks shall be given. If the word of God abides in your mouth day and night, whatever you ask shall be given. Amen? So remember the T factor. So the next time you look at the mirror, don't just look at your face. Look at your tongue condition. Has my tongue bring glory to God? Has my same tongue proceeded out blessing and also cursing? Have I been speaking negative words to my situation, to my friends around me? These things, my brethren, ought not to be so. And that's the words of Apostle James. So be like Jesus. Let no sin be found on your lips. Amen.